The peace of Christ be with you. As we gather, I invite you to take about three deep breaths and allow yourself to be settled into the presence of the Spirit and held by this house of prayer. Sisters and brothers, let us worship the living God. Please rise for the call to worship. Here, let us ground our lives in a deeper reality. We are not without challenge, but we have access to spirit. We are not without hunger, but Christ invites us to peace at God's table. may be seated. Welcome. Welcome here to worship at Westminster. It is good to be with you this morning. If you're visiting with us, a special welcome to you. I invite you after worship out to our garden area for coffee and tea, snacks, especially a chance to get to know each other just a little better. As you walked in, you may have noticed we have a couple cameras in worship today. It's described fully, our first announcement here in the bulletin, um, but they are filming a video for our capital campaign, Westminster 2020 Forward in Faith, that was just launched. The cameras will be focused this way, so don't worry too much, but if you're uncomfortable being on video, let us know afterwards and we'll make sure you're not a part of it. But thank you for your patience with that. Let's join together now in the community prayer. Let us pray together. Be present, Lord, that we might feel you in the moment and thus not be carried away by the moment of anxiety. Help us to recognize that even when we are shaken, our core is in you. Forgive us for when we have hardened our hearts chosen to judge or lashed out at others out of our own pain or fear. Renew us with a sense of trust in you and renew in us practices that little by little enlarge our hearts and slow our reactiveness that we might grow in compassion. Our prayers continue in quiet.
Friends, know that our God lifts us up on eagles' wings, strengthening us so we will not be weary. God is full of endless love for us all, and through Christ, we are forgiven. We are set free. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now I'd like to invite any of the children who are worshiping with us to come join me here at the front. Good morning, everyone. So I have something here that I wanted to show you. It is this bin filled with socks. Oh my goodness. Now some of you were here about a month ago when I told you that we were going to be collecting socks during the month of January and we're going to give them to guests in our rest program. These are people who are experiencing homelessness, don't have any house to live in right now, and they don't have often warm socks. They spend a lot of time outside, and so we wanted to collect some socks. And we have, usually on a Sunday night when our guests are staying here at the church, we have about 30 to 40 guests. And so when I first introduced this sock drive, I thought, wow, wouldn't it be nice if we got 30 to 40 pairs so everyone could have one pair of socks? And then they kept coming in and coming in, and I, well, gosh, maybe it'll be nice to get like 60 to 80 pairs, and then everyone can have two pairs of socks. And they kept coming in, and they kept coming in. We ended up with 105 pairs of socks. Whoa! That's pretty amazing. And I think one of the best parts of this is that people, all, all over our congregation, people donated socks, many of them not knowing who was going to get a pair of socks, right? They wouldn't know if it was someone who was very similar to them, maybe who liked the same things as them, or maybe someone might get a pair of socks who's very different from me, you know? Maybe they like to eat different things or read different kinds of books, but you know what? It doesn't really matter, right? It doesn't really matter if the person who gets this pair of, these pairs of socks are very similar to me or very different from me. What matters is that it is someone in need of a nice warm pair of socks, and we want to help them, right? And I was thinking about that because the story you're going to hear in Sunday school today, a woman who is quite different from Jesus comes up to him and asks him if he will heal her daughter. And because she's so different from him, he kind of wonders. He kind of wonders if he should heal her daughter, even though she's so different from him. But then they have a conversation, and something pretty amazing happens. And you're going to hear about that in class today, all right? So I invite you. Cammie is standing right there waiting for you. I invite you to follow her out into Finley Hall. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. I think we just got to 111. Socks are still coming in. That's great. So now is the time in our worship where we share our joys and our concerns with each other uh, so we can be in prayer for and with each other. If you have something to share, I invite you to just raise your hand and to let us know. I'll start while you're thinking. Um, many of you know Ted and Alita Bayer. They've been members here for a very long time. They're actually moving up to Oregon. Um, and often when people move, we, we bring them to the front and we offer a special prayer and blessing. They didn't really want all that attention in worship. Um, but I told them that we would certainly be praying for them during this big transition. So please keep Ted and Alita, their daughter Camille, in your prayers as they move to Oregon. You soon. Absolutely. He soon requests prayers for the family, a good friend from, in Los Angeles who died last week, leaving behind wife and two elementary age children. Oh, there's Bruce. Yeah, prayers for my nephew and family. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we've been praying for Bruce's great niece a long time with brain tumors. She died last week. So prayers for you, Bruce, for your nephew, and all of your family. Ruthie. Prayers for Gina Leary, one of our (laughs) choir members who injured her foot, is on crutches, not able to be singing today, but is healing well, but continued healing prayers for her. On the back, Richard. Excellent. Prayers of joy for a close family friend who just had a baby. Yeah, Sherry. So Sherry's mother's best friend, whose daughter was found dead in her apartment a couple nights ago. That's Peter? (laughs) Peter offers a prayer for the 49ers. We'll leave it at that. All right. Anyone else? All right. Let's have a few moments. Oh, yes, Trisha. Woo, okay. I think it's time for some quiet prayer. <laughs> Held in our own hearts and minds. But no, seriously. Let's have a few moments of quiet, and then I will lead us in the Lord's Prayer. So let us pray together. Gracious God, you do hear the prayers of your people, and for that we give you thanks. And know that all our prayers are offered in the name of the one who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day.
The first scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 147. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church this morning. Praise the Lord, how good it is to sing praises to our God, for she is gracious and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. She heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. Her understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the downtrodden. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. She covers the heavens with clouds, prepares rain for the earth, makes grass grow on the hills. He gives food to the animals and to the young ravens when they cry. Her delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor her pleasure in the speed of a runner. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. This is holy wisdom, holy word. The second reading comes from Mark's Gospel, the first chapter. Listen for what the Spirit is continuing to say to the gathered people of God. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with fever, and they told him about her at once. Jesus came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to Jesus all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. Jesus answered, Let us go on to neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out their demons. Friends, this too is holy wisdom. Holy Word, thanks be to God. My high school swim coach used to joke with us about the simple answers his grandmother would give for life's challenges. He said, I, you know, I could be in college and, and stressing out, totally coming apart, feeling overwhelmed by a, a nuclear physics test the next day, like my coach ever took nuclear physics, but... And I would call her and, and talk to her, and she would say, now just remember, honey, to have a good meal. <laughs> Only it were so easy. I wonder when the last time it was that you felt overwhelmed or as if things were coming apart for you. My guess is many of us don't have to go back that far in our memories to name a time. It doesn't take much, at least for me, to, to come a little undone, to be thrown off for a day. It could be something small, just getting a slow start to the morning, maybe getting an email you didn't want to get, somebody who's not happy with you or something you've done or said. Little things, watching the warriors embarrass themselves against you. I mean, <laughs> the jazz? <laughs> Denver Nuggets? I mean, what's their mascot? A pickaxe? I mean, 
My guess is we could build this list together of things that can kind of throw us or overwhelm us. It could be the loss of a job or the loss of a sense of fulfillment in one's vocation, whatever that is. Loss of a relationship or harmony in that relationship. Loss of a child. Could be um, just a life stage change. Becoming an empty nester. Retiring. New location. We, the list goes on and on. It's, it's really amazing that people stay together when all that seems to work to tear them apart. And whether it's small or large, these things are all real. All the challenges are real. This week we had a, a guy come to the church, and this happens from time to time, who was in real need. And he couldn't make it up the stairs to get the Safeway cards that the deacons give us to pass out. And so I came down and met him in his car in the parking lot, and as I leaned in his car, I realized that wasn't just his vehicle, it was his home. And it wasn't just that he couldn't walk, he only had one arm. How does a guy like that not completely fall apart? Well, actually, I think he had, and that was the point. It's so easy for us to gloss over as Christians that Jesus would have endured many of these same experiences and emotions and maybe even reactions to those experiences. Oh, we tell the story so often that we, we, we sometimes act as if, oh, the cross was just this pleasant culmination of a plan and he just enjoyed the ride all the way through. When in fact, the garden reminds us that he suffered and he was scared. And how many times must he have been overwhelmed in his life by the need? He's always going off. You heard it a moment ago to pray, to get away from the crowds, to reconnect. And, and re let's spend some time with that ridiculous scene from today. It's easy to, to just kind of read through it, but it's, it's amazing what happens. He's just, uh, he's just healed, what is it, Simon's mother-in-law? I think that's right, yeah. And she's been in bed, the fever heals her, and so word gets out. And this is what the scripture says. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered around the door. <laughs> That's hysterical. They bring everybody in the city who's sick or possessed, and they bring everyone. It feels sometimes like the whole city is sick or possessed, and they're all lined up for Jesus, for healing. Imagine what that must have been like. Now, the Bible in its economy of words doesn't always let us in to the inner workings of people, particularly of Jesus, and so we know how he reacted, but we don't know what went into making him into the kind of person he was that allowed him to react that way. It's one of the limitations in the way our stories are recorded. So sometimes it helps to take a step outside the tradition for someone to, to get wisdom from someone who can show us uh, what it looks like to become someone who can live with such compassion, can offer healing in the face of such a long line of need. I'm, I'm coming to the end of a book by a Buddhist teacher and writer, Pema Chodron. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Some of you may know. And she's written a book called When Things Fall Apart. And in it, she describes how we can respond when these overwhelming forces line up outside our door. And she essentially distills it into two possible reactions. And the first is we can close down and push back and hole up and run away. And those are important skills to stay safe. But they're not skills to apply long-term to every situation. So she says we can also open up and settle down and get grounded and get curious and sit with whatever it is that is challenging us or is threatening us. 
She essentially says in the face of challenges, we can shrink or we can expand. And the great ones expand. That's what the masters do. That's what Jesus does. The Bible is a catalog of moments of his expansion. And he doesn't get there alone. We have clues as to what helped him get there, how he was grounded, how uh, he was able to build a reservoir that he could draw from when things were dry. Did you hear that psalm earlier, that gorgeous psalm about the God that Jesus knew so intimately that he called him Daddy? Listen to some of those images of the psalm. Praise the Lord. God is gracious. The Lord builds up, gathers the outcast. Now you see the playbook Jesus was following. Heals the brokenhearted, binds up their wounds. Numbers the stars, names them, feeds the animals. Hears the ravens in their cry. The Psalms would have been Jesus' prayer book. He let those Psalms fill him up and he could draw on them in these times of need. And he was so good at drawing on them that they said, this must be the Son of God. They recognize him for that. The demons first. One commentator describes him as a spirit-empowered being, so filled up that he was able to pour himself out. You know, Mark only has 16 chapters. It's a lean gospel, but it still makes room for 200 verses about Jesus' miracles. That's what happens when you allow yourself to be filled that way. So how does someone who has at least 200 miracles heal a whole city of people? One at a time. Part of what happens when you get settled in your place is you heal what's in front of you, not what's in line. Because the line goes on forever. And eventually, even Jesus knows that he's not meant to stay there forever. And so at one point, while they're probably still coming, he says, and now we must go on to another town so that I can proclaim a message to them because that's what I'm here to do. The endless line of need can swallow you up and keep you in place. And so it's important to remember what you are here to do so you can go and do it. Again, it's, a, it's still a little difficult to see how Jesus managed this. See how he had this strength and wisdom and, and, and foresight to be able to pull this off. One of the tricks, and, and I think sadness is for me about Christianity, is the way we've told our story over the generations has created this impossible standard that we should all be as good at it as Jesus was right away. And because we can't, we say, eh, why try? So again, we can step outside to find a more helpful standard. In her book, Chodron uh, says, don't try to be a savior. That's not really helpful language. And we as Christians can say we already have one, so check that off the list. Instead, she pushes us to just tiny incremental growth. And that's far more achievable. She says, if you're facing, if your challenge is loneliness or being unsettled, and, and yesterday you could only sit with that loneliness or unsettledness for one second, and today you can sit with that for 1.6 seconds, that's the path of a warrior. Now, I love that bar, that standard. Just 0.6 seconds better is not failure, it's success. I, I tried it this week. I was dreading something that was coming and I said, I'm gonna sit with my dread for five seconds. And after that, I'll say my work is done. And it was amazing how relieved I felt. And maybe someday I'll shoot for six. Just tiny increments. They make all the difference. 
one thing that Jesus and the Buddha would agree on, and I think they would agree on many things, is that suffering happens. The challenges come. The waves of need pour in and we get overwhelmed. And any energy aimed at trying to avoid that always and forever is just wasted, as is the anxiety that can accompany this. So instead, they invite us simply to set a table for what comes to us in challenge, which is exactly what Jesus Christ did. When they came for him on that last night, he called his beloveds together and he set a table for them and a feast and he expanded and brought them into his arms and he broke bread and said, this is me and it's for you and I will sustain you when they come for you and you'll be okay. Now we don't know what tomorrow will bring but probably in some form or another, it will be a test. And so we should remember to have a good meal first.
You may be seated. As we come here to the Lord's table, we're reminded that all are welcome. All are invited to take part in this meal. The ushers will direct you to simply come forward by the center aisle, take a piece of bread, dip it lightly in the cup, and that way partake of both of the elements together. There will be a plate of gluten-free bread available if that is important to you. Rob and I will also be standing here at the front. Should you desire a time of additional prayer, we will be here at the front for that. Now Jesus reminds us to come to the table in peace. So before, always before we share in this meal together, we share the peace of Christ with one another. Now a few of you have expressed concerns that it is sort of the flu cold season, which is important. Your health is important. So if it is more comfortable for you when you pass a piece to just wave or give a simple bow, please feel free to do that. But I do invite you as you are comfortable to stand and pass the peace of Christ to one another. You may be seated. Friends, when things fell apart for Jesus, he called his disciples together. When the powers that be were determined to break him, Jesus Christ broke bread and said, I will sustain you. When they promised to spill his blood, Jesus took the cup and poured himself out as a promise. When they tried to end him, he showed them in body and in spirit that this was simply a new beginning. So come to this table and join in this movement of spirit. Will you join me? God be with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift up God. Let us give thanks to God. It is right to give God thanks. Let us pray. Creating God, we give thanks that you brought this world and all of humanity into being, breathing life into us. You show yourself in each face we encounter. You show us how to love and serve you and how to honor one another. We offer thanks that when we ignore your embrace, you persist in reaching out to us. We thank you for the life and ministry of Jesus. The death and resurrection of Christ taught us that nothing, not pain, not fear, not even death, can separate us from you. You continue to breathe the breath of your Holy Spirit through us, gathering us together as a family of faith. So hear us now, as gifted by the presence of your Spirit, we offer ourselves to you as we unite our voices with the entire family of your faithful people everywhere.
Friends, in the night he was betrayed, Jesus did take bread. And after giving thanks, he blessed it, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, This is the cup of the new covenant, which is sealed in my blood. It is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it, he said, remembering me. Come, for all things are now ready.
bread of life. Christ's love poured out for you. It's Christ's body given for you. Christ's love poured out for you. This is the body of Christ given for you. Christ's love poured out for you. This is the body of Christ given for you. Christ's love poured out for you. This is the body of Christ given for you, Diane. Christ's love poured out for you. Isu, this is the body of Christ given for you. Christ's love poured out for you. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray. Gracious God, bless this food which we have received. Give bread to all those who are hungry and hunger for mercy and justice to us who have food. Amen. As always, I invite you to take a look at your bulletin, see what is happening here in the life of the church. Just a few things to highlight for you. First, Rob has started a Bible study on the first and third Tuesdays of every month. So that means this coming Tuesday there will be a class. It's at 6 o'clock in the library. All are welcome to attend that. Next Sunday, following worship, we'll have our new members orientation. If you are new to Westminster or even not so new but would like to learn about becoming a member, you're invited to that. Just let either Rob or me know that you're planning to come and we'll give you some information on that. Immediately following this service uh, is a presentation that Jeff, our youth director, is calling Me Too for Parents. There's information here in the bulletin, but just know that all are welcome to that, and there will be child care provided if that is important to you. Uh, we have a women's retreat coming up in March. I invite you to uh, think about registering for that, and you'll find some forms out in the narthex if you're interested in our women's retreat. And then finally, I mentioned earlier our video that we're creating. As one piece of that video, we're wanting to get real brief video shots of as many of our congregation as possible. So that's going to be happening after worship out here in the garden area. If you're willing to just stop by, get a little video of you for about 10 seconds, you don't have to say anything, you just have to stand there, but it'll be part of a montage of the video with just a bunch of different faces. That'll be happening out there. All right, I invite you now to stand as you are comfortable for our closing hymn, 308.
friends, now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and every day. Amen.